in the book of 1 Samuel. And over that time, we've really looked at three individuals. So uh, for the last couple of the weeks, we've looked at uh, Samuel, who was a prophet of God. He was also one of the main leaders of the city, of, of the people of Israel. Um, and just uh, if you want to go and listen to those preachers, they're very good and, and they're online. But just kind of learning about Samuel's heart for God. And then next week, it's in, it's in a slight kind of random order. Next week, we're going to be looking at the character King Saul, who was the first anointed king of Israel. And I'll talk about him a little bit just at the beginning of my preach. But um, basically, he doesn't do the greatest job and he loses his anointing as king. And God gives it to David. And today we're going to be looking at this man, David, and looking at his anointing and seeing why God chose David to be king of Israel. So that's, uh, that's where we're at. I am going to ask the lovely Jill Dell to come and read us the passage for today. So, just to say, um, it is going to be coming up on the screen as she reads it as well. time we've had this morning, haven't we? It just feels like we've been doing this for ages. I love that this is the first one. So here we go. So um, 1 Samuel chapter 16. The heading of this passage is Samuel anoints David, as Chris has said. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, How can I go? Saul will hear about it and kill me. The Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Saul did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass in front of Saul, of Samuel. Sorry, but Samuel said, "The Lord has not chosen this one either." Jesse then made Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, "Nor has the Lord chosen this one." Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him. The Lord has not chosen these. So he's, he asked Jesse, Are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered, but he's tending the sheep. Samuel said, Send for him. 
we will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent and had him brought in. He was ruddy with a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. He is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. Samuel then went to Ramah. Thank you very much. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we, we come here expecting to meet with you and I thank you that we've met you in the worship, Lord, and we, we want to be changed by you. We want to be encouraged and inspired by you. So I pray as we look at this story today, Lord, you would, you would just do something in our hearts and make us care more about the things you care about. I pray for that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, so just to say, we're doing the same preach on all three locations. The other guys should just just about be finishing probably by now, but um, we're doing the same preaches. And, the, and over the, what we're going to do is we're going to look through the story again. And as we go through the story, we're going to look at three things. One, what it means to be chosen by God. Then what it means to be valued by God. And then what it means to be anointed by God. And in the worship, actually, I was quite happy because I'm a worship leader. And, and often I'm thinking, what song would kind of best fit the kind of the preach that's being preached? So in case they call us at the end. And actually any of those songs would do. I was like, oh, that fits, that fits, that fits. I think God's kind of been speaking to us already about what we're going to be speaking about today. So let's start with chosen by God. So the story starts by God saying to um, Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? And next week when Sarah Gelly preaches to us, She's going to be uh, talking about why Saul lost his kingship. But it was never very good f- for him from the start. You see, he was never God's like, complete choice for king. He was the choice of the people of Israel. You see, the, the people of Israel come to Samuel. Samuel was the, the kind of leader of Israel, although he wasn't king. He was like the head of this group of judges, the, the main judge, a bit like Simon Cowell in that sense. He was the, he was the one that everyone went to. And, um, and basically, they came to him and said, all the other nations, they've got kings in charge of them. And these kings are impressive men, men that they look, people look up to and are inspired by, and they go to war with their people. Can you give us one of those kings? We don't want to be led by a group of old, graying men. We want to be led by someone who's dynamic and moving us forwards. And so Samuel, unsurprisingly, is quite offended by this. And he goes to God and he says, God, they've they've rejected me. They don't want me to be overseeing them. And God says to them, Samuel, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me as their king. And God carries on by saying, go and give them a king. But make sure it's exactly the kind of king they would want. So Samuel goes and, uh, and Saul is highlighted to him as a good contender. Samuel takes Saul before the people and they say, yeah, this is the kind of man we're looking for. So the question is, why was, Samuel, why was Saul so impressive? Was it because he had a heart after God and he wanted the people of Israel to be led in the right direction? No, it wasn't. Was it because he had this kind of sagely wisdom and kind of uh, just this way of doing everything so that the, the nation would be blessed and the people around would be blessed? No, he didn't have that either. Was it that it was a military tactician who could outmaneuver any other king in the whole of uh, the area? 
No, it wasn't that. I'll tell you why they really liked him, and it's a bit funny, really. It's in 1 Samuel verse, uh, chapter 9, verse 2, it says, Saul was an impressive young man without his, uh, equal in the whole of Israel. And this is what it says. He was a whole head taller than any of the others. <laughs> that was it. That was why they liked Saul. He was a whole head taller than anyone else. Quite, no, nothing about his character, nothing about what he was like, it was just his tall. You see, Israel, they wanted someone who looked on the outside, looked in, imposing, looked important, looked impressive. And in, in Saul, that's exactly what, you, what they got. But it probably won't surprise you to know that Saul's biggest problem, the thing you'll see next week, is pride. He starts getting arrogant. He starts believing his own hype and he stops listening to the word of God he stops listening to the advice of Samuel and says, I'm going to make decisions on my own. And as a result, people die. He makes decisions that, that mean people die from it. And so God comes to him and says, Saul, you have not done well. I'm taking the kingdom away from you. And in 1 Samuel 13, it says, Now your kingdom will not endure. I, the Lord, have sought a man out after my own heart. So Saul was Israel's kind of king, because on the outside he looked impressive. He was a whole head taller than anyone else. But then God said, I'm going to choose my kind of king now. This time the man will be chosen by God. So it says, How long will you mourn for Saul since I've rejected him as king? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. Now, if you've got a Bible, it's probably written in English um, or Swedish. If you pick pick one up on the Finnish, if you pick one up on the way in. Oh. Sorry, I'm sorry. But actually, do you know they? Um, it was obviously written in Hebrew originally. This story. <laughs> Or, or Swedish, one of the two. <laughs> it's obviously written in, in Hebrew. And, um, and most of the time they do such a great job at doing the translation from the Hebrew into the English. But sometimes things get a little bit lost in translation. And I think this is a really ex good example of that. You see, where it says, I have chosen one of his sons to be king. The literal translation says, I see myself a king among Jesse's sons. In other words, God wasn't saying, Saul's done a rubbish job, so go and, go and choose one of Jesse's sons to be king instead. It's far more intentional than that. There's a sense of God saying, I've looked around all of Israel, and I've found one man with all the characteristics I'm looking for in a king. And he's in Jesse's family, he lives in Bethlehem, go and find him. There's an intentionality about it. You see, David wasn't randomly picked out by God. He was selected by God because God looked into his heart and said, wow, I love that man's heart. He's a man after my own heart. He's exactly who I want to be my king. See, not, God never does things randomly. And we've been talking about it in the worship, actually. God's a sovereign God. And there's a sense of his plan is constantly getting rolled out. And sometimes we can look and think, God, do you just... So things happen and then you change the plan. That, that, that's not what happens. God knows the beginning from the end. And as you look through the Bible, actually, you see God 
this intentionality of God throughout it. So God calls Abraham and says, I've called you, I've chosen you to be a blessing to the nations. Or he calls um, Esther, a humble Israelite girl. She's an orphan. And God chooses her and says, do you know what? I'm going to use you to save Israel from an ethnic cleansing. Or in the New Testament, you have Peter, this fisherman. He's, he's, he's just a working class guy. And yet God sees something in him and says, do you know what? Jesus calls him and says, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. And he became the leader of the worldwide church. Or you look at Paul, who was a persecutor of the church. He used to kill Christians. But God saw something in him and said, I'm going to bring that to life. And he became the most glorious church plant you've ever seen. And he's, what he wrote is just incredible and it's impacting us even today. And it goes on throughout church history as well. You see, God calls people out and he says, I've chosen you for a particular task. Go and do it. And even today, you go to any nation in the whole of the world, you will find believers People that have been chosen by God and called to do specific things. And if you're a Christian here today, at some point you made a decision to allow Jesus into your life. You said, Jesus, I recognise the things I've done wrong. And I want, you, I want you to forgive me and I want to live for you. And at that moment, you made a choice. But here's something really exciting. Do you know God chose you before you chose him? In Ephesians uh, chapter 1, it says, God chose us before the foundations of the world to be holy and blameless. God chose you before the foundations of the world. You're not a mistake or an accident. God chose you before the foundations of the world to be holy and blameless. And there's more than just that. You see, in Ephesians chapter 2, it says, For we are all God's masterpiece." He created us in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good works he planned for us long ago. God's not just called you and made you holy, although that's awesome. He's also got plans for you and works for you that he planned out long ago. And for David, God selected him and said, you're a man after my own heart. You are going to be king of Israel. But for every single one of us, God has put things on our heart and said, you, that makes you a man after my own heart. Or that makes me a woman after my own heart. And I just think it's really exciting. Jill's a great example. I'm going to give a couple of examples. God sees you and your heart for the kind of marginalised. And says, you're a woman after my own heart. And I've got plans for you. I'm going to lift you up. Or John. John Greenway. The heart you've got for business. And, and bringing kingdom principles into the business sector. God says, well, that's, that's after my own heart. God's put that on your heart. And he sees it and he loves it. And we could go on throughout every single person in this place and say, God's put something on your heart. And it's all different. Um, actually, Paul Wilson posted a quote from Alan Scott the other day on Facebook. And it said, if you knew what God had in mind for you, you would never be jealous of anyone else. God's got plans for your life. And it's different to, you don't have to look around and say, oh, it's not as good as that or as good as that because God's put something on your heart. And actually, as people of Rotherhive, we want to be learning to kind of call that out in one another and say, I've, I've noticed God doing that in your life. He loves that. And, and bringing it out of one another. So, point one, who does God choose? Anyone he wants. 
but it's not a random. He looks into our hearts and says, I want to bring that to life. Amen? Yes. Amen. So valued by God. So the, I'm going to carry on going through the story. So Samuel says, how can I go? If, if Saul hears about it, he'll kill me. And the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say that you've come to sacrifice the Lord's. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. And you are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him and said, do you come in peace? just want to say one thing about this. This is a side point, but I, I used to read this story and kind of think of it's the anointing of the second king of Israel and there's celebrations and joyful. Actually, it's filled with nervous tension, this story. Everyone's nervous. Saul's like, I mean, Samuel's like, if I go there, Saul's going to kill me. He's full of fear. And then you see the people, the elders, they're worried about this. Why is the second most important man in the whole of Israel coming to piddly little uh, Bethlehem? That something's not right. They're worried. You think about David as he gets anointed. Think about how much pressure must have been going on his shoulders at that point. I've just been anointed king of Israel, and yet there's another king of Israel still alive. He'd become a contender to the throne of Israel. That's a nerve-wracking thing, isn't it? So just to say, as we go through the story, there is a nervous tension about it, just to point it out. So we're told, Saul, uh, Samuel uh, tells the family to get ready for this sacrifice. And, um, and as the family come, he sees Iliad, the oldest, come into the room. And he says, surely this is the Lord's anointed standing here. He's so tall. He's so tall. He's incredible. And you hear God saying, no, come on, don't fall for the same trick again. You see, with Saul, it was all because he was tall. And now we see Eliab and Samuel's instant reaction is, he's so tall, he must be God's anointed. But God says this, he says, do not consider his height or his appearance, for I have rejected him. And this is the crucial bit. People look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Do you know, as human beings, it seems that we've got some kind of unconscious disposition to think more about the outside than what's going on in the heart. But God wants us to be people that look at the heart. Even Samuel, the great man of God, who knew he was going to find the Lord's anointed, he looks at the outward appearances and God has to say, don't do it. That's wrong. Okay? Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that worrying about the outside appearances of things is, in, is, is wrong. I'm just saying it's far more important to care about what's going on in the inside. In fact, as we were making, um, we make videos sometimes, video notices for, um, for things that are going on. And so we made a video notice to show at church about this event happening here today. So I came to the Finnish church, I stood outside, Ali was with me, and I had to just do one line, just saying, love you all, if you live in Robber Hive, to come over to the Finnish church on this day, one line. I did it, what, 15 times? <laughs> because I'm, I'm just nervous about what I look like. And then I got back, and this is, this is the truth, I looked and I was like, I've got a double chin in all of them. <laughs> So I went back the next day on my own and I did it another 15 times and then I'm squinting through the whole thing. But the thing is, you know, 
I shouldn't be caring so much about the outward appearances of things. My, what I should be caring about, what's going on in the, in the heart. Yeah? And actually, as a church, I, w- I want to apply this on a church level and on a personal <coughs> level. As a church, we want to be a growing, thriving, diverse church. But that's not so that we can be big. Yeah? We don't want to be like Iliad. We want to be the big church around. That's not the heart of it. The heart of it is we want to see many people come to know Jesus. Yeah? We, want to know, we want to see many people's lives transformed, hearts transformed. Because we could go, okay, we want to be a big church. What do the big churches do? Oh, well, they have, they have more fancy multimedia. Dave, step it up. Yeah? Or they have this, or they have that. We could go about it like that, but that, that would be going for the outward things. Okay? But what we're doing is we're asking God. We're saying, God, how, how can we serve you? We want to grow. We want to be thriving. We want to be diverse. But Lord, it's because we love you. We care about the things you care about. And so, so that's the first thing, just to say, as a church, let's not get hung up on the, on the externals. Let's care about what's going on in our heart. There's a, I hope I've got time to say this. There's a, there's a verse in uh, Revelation where God's talking to the church in, in Ephesus and says, I love the things you do. I love the things you stand for. I love the, the way you love one another. I've got one problem with you. You've lost your first love. Yeah? And we don't want to be a church that has got loads of stuff going on. And yet we've lost our love for Jesus Christ. We want to be fully devoted to him. And everything comes out of that. Is that true? Amen. Amen. So on a, on, a, on a personal level, I just want to say... God values the state of your heart far more than all the external stuff going on in your life. He cares more about what's going on in your heart. Now, this could sound quite trite and, you know, oh, that's nice, but it's really serious. God cares about what's going on in your heart more than he cares about your looks, your height, your academic ability, your history, anything like that. He cares about what's going on in here. Uh, and there's a couple of verses just to point it out. So it says in Proverbs 13, uh, 30 verse, uh, sorry, Proverbs 31 verse 30, it says, Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. In other words, we've got to care about what's going on on the inside because everything else fades away. Another verse, therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. That's from 2 Corinthians 4. And so there's that sense of, I'm getting older, I was getting my hair cut the other day and I just saw the grey hairs going in front of me and I'm like, oh, I'm getting older. But I love that idea of, as we get older, we get rejuvenated. And so the older ones among us are the younger ones among us because God's doing something, he's renewing us day by day by day. There you go. So God's looking into your heart. What is he seeing? So after that, Eliab gets seven of his other sons before Samuel. And, and Samuel says, no, it's none of these. Can I just... What's the time? Am I doing all right? Okay. Um, it's none of these. Have you got any more sons? And Eli... Uh, sorry. And then uh, Jesse says, well, there's, there's the little one. Or more literally, there's the runt. He's, he's out the back with the sheep. And, and Samuel says, bring him in. 
I want to see him. And as soon as uh, Samuel sees him, God says, here is, here is my, here's my chosen one. Rise and anoint him. So just a, just a brief aside again, it's Father's Day. I think I should just acknowledge that. Never look at one of your children as one of the runts. <laughs> Make sure, actually, God's got a plan for every single one of your children. And call it out in them. And help, help, help your husband, help your wife to see it. And help them to see what God's got planned for their life. I've got, um, just very briefly, Ali was talking to one of our friends the other day whose child is, is in a wheelchair. And actually, when he was born, the doctors in another country said, actually, he should die. We should just leave him to die. And, um, and she fought for him. And he is in a wheelchair, and he finds it hard to communicate. But she said, he shows more compassion and more empathy and more love to, to both herself and to other people than any of her other sons do or anyone she knows does. And you think, well, you know, people wanted to leave that young man for dead and yet God is displaying his glorious love in him and so we don't put anyone down we don't say that God can't use that person God can use anyone he wants Amen. okay so the Lord said rise and anoint him this is the one so Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers and from that day on the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. I want to finish by saying this. God never puts expectations on us without giving us everything we need to do. He will never put expectations on us without giving us everything we need to do. And we look at Rotherhive and we think, man, we want to see the kingdom of God come to this area. We want to see many people come to know Jesus. We've been talking about wanting to see businesses transformed because of the gospel. And we look at it and we think, man, this is a hard task. But actually, God says he will give us his Holy Spirit to equip us to do it. When, when God anointed or when Samuel anointed David, the Holy Spirit fell upon him. And that was what gave him the strength to do it. And in fact, the next chapter, I think it is, David fights Goliath. And says to Goliath, look, you come at me with a, a spear and a javelin, but I come at you in the name of the Lord. He had full confidence in who he was in, in Christ. He knew that he had the Holy Spirit living in him. Okay? And if you look across again, you see even Jesus. As Tom was talking about earlier on, the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to preach good news. Even Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit before he even did anything. And then... When Jesus commanded his disciples to go into the world and tell everyone about Jesus, what does it say? And, but wait for the Holy Spirit to come. Yeah? And, and actually, as, as, as Pentecost came, the Holy Spirit came upon the church. Young, old, man, woman, rich, poor, the Spirit comes upon us. And actually, God's calling us to big things and we're asking big questions of God, really, for us as a church. How can we get into these local areas? Well, God says, well, you need my Holy Spirit to do it. Yeah? And uh, it's impossible without him, but it's completely possible with him. just want to finish by saying this. See, you might be thinking, okay, well, we're here in Robberhive and it feels smaller and harder. You know, how can we ever expect to kind of move forward like this? Well, you know, Jesus said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And everything else will be added to you. Finance, 
We don't actually have to worry about that because we do it in faith. We seek first the kingdom of God. People, resources, seek first the kingdom of God and everything we need will be added to us. And I think the most important thing we need to be saying is, Holy Spirit, will you fill us and equip us for this journey? Amen? Amen. So, let me just summarise. We've been chosen by God. You've been chosen by God before the foundations of the world to be holy and blameless. And he's got plans and purposes planned for you well before you were even born. You're valued by God. He's not looking at how much money you've got or what you look like. He's looking at what, what, he's, what he's put in your heart. And then finally, we're anointed by God. His Holy Spirit lives in us. And that's what empowers us to do everything. I just want to finish by saying, if you're not a Christian, I just want you to consider this. Jesus died on the cross so that anyone can come to know Jesus. So that everyone can know eternal life. So that everyone can have a new hope. And if you're not a Christian and you're thinking, has God chosen me? Has God called me? Well, I'd just love you to come and talk to me at the end. Um, you know, and, and we can pray together and we can ask God to speak to you because he's active and he's alive and, and probably if you're here he's already been calling you anyway so I just want to say if you're not a Christian feel free to come and talk to me at the end and I'd love to pray with you about it Amen, right it'd be good to um, I think respond somehow so if we could get the band back up let's see.